Kevin, on July 1st, 2023, WE brings us Money in the Bank. And I figure what better way to get you, the listeners, everyone anticipated, excited for the big event than talking all things Money in the Bank, Kevin. But first, most importantly of all, for you and everyone, listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, all of the above. We're shouting this out at the start of our show. It goes a long way. Kevin, talk to the people. How much does it mean to Elite Hate for you to listen on the audio platforms? Oh, it, it's astronomical. And that's how crucial it is that you all check us out on the audio-only platforms. Please do. Tell your family about us. Tell your brother. Tell your cousin. Tell the guy at the gym that doesn't know anything about wrestling. Put, put them on, pal. This is the content that everyone needs. And uh, the audio platforms is easier to listen. You don't have to watch us and our, our stupid wrestling shirts and our our uh, stupid faces you know you can just listen to us and yeah we're on everything spotify apple uh stitcher i don't even know like iHeartRadio, pandora they're everywhere so yeah and yeah even if you want to if you're a youtube regular like you're one of our loyal youtube regulars who listens and comments which we obviously appreciate even if you want to you know do some comments on youtube but you listen on one of those platforms on the lit you know, on the audio ones goes a long long way so that being said kevin hopefully we're all across that we've got a run sheet for today this is all about money in the bank yep. what i when can deem wwe's greatest creation potentially we'll discuss that later but just generally a state of money in the bank sort of address sort of discussion plenty of loaded stuff in here so kevin for starters kick us off what, what do we want to talk about first pal? uh we got to talk about AEW Collision. We had a major announcement by Tony Khan. You know, this is a very rare thing. Tony Khan hardly ever does announcements on Dynamite. So when he does, it's a huge deal. You know, it's not like it's a weekly thing or bi-weekly thing at this point. Extremely rare. Tony Khan was there on Dynamite. I know, we never see Tony Khan. Tony Khan's there. He announces that CM Punk, your favorite wrestler, Philip Jack Brooks, will be on the debut episode of AEW Collision from the United Center in Chicago on Saturday night. And the reason why we're talking about this is because, one, the CM Punk return thing. We've been there, done that. He already returned in the United Center. He returned uh, from, like, a near 10-year layoff, a failed MMA career, a failed comic book freelance writer career, came back to AEW, came back to pro wrestling. And here he is again, coming back to pro wrestling, pal, Almost two years later, almost two years to the date later, pal. I still remember where I was watching his return. I had goosebumps. It was a moment unlike any other in wrestling history, and we're going to relive it all over again. Here's the problem. I don't think AEW thought this out. AEW is running a secondary wrestling show. That's what they are. They're secondary WWE. On a Saturday night in Chicago at their most prestigious arena. That's a tough thing to do on a Saturday night. You need more than CM Punk making his return from an injury. I'll be honest. I'm bringing this up again because they sold 7,000 tickets prior to the announcement. So clear, it was clear that they were not going to announce him. It was clear they were just going to let it be a surprise. But then Tony Khan panicked and was like, oh my god, gotta sell tickets. Gotta announce Philip Jack Brooks. So now, I'll ask you this. How many tickets do you think moved in the time from when Punk was announced to right now. So you said 7,000. Yeah, it's roughly, I would say, like a 15 to 18,000 seat arena. So there's like 9,000 seats left. Okay, so 
on after Tony Khan makes this big announcement of CM Punk, how many tickets would have moved? I'll guess, I mean, CM Punk is a big star. I'm going to guess probably, you know, probably six to 8,000. They're probably, they should be near capacity right now because if you said a 15,000 to 17,000 seat arena, they should be around sellout, you'd, you'd think. But here's the number. They've moved less than 700 tickets since Tony Khan made that monumental announcement on AEW Dynamite. So they have roughly 8,000 seats sold and we're about two weeks away from this big debut episode of Collision. And I bring up the Saturday night point because of this. It's Saturday night in Chicago. Like, to fill the United Center, you gotta be like, like J-Lo or Bad Bunny or, you know, The Weeknd. Like, those are people that are filling out the United Center. CM Punk, all due respect to him, is not filling out the United, the United Center. The Chicago Bulls will do that. You know, the Blackhawks. I think that's the name of their hockey team. Yes, yep. WWE, how do you think WWE, WWE maybe on a Saturday night, but like you look at the shows that they've done, like Night of Champions to Saudi Arabia, if they do that show on a Saturday night in Chicago, that probably wouldn't even sell out. So it's a big ask to have a wrestling show on a Saturday night. And that's the challenge that I think AEW is going to face here. They're run, this is going to be a major show. This is a live show. This is not a rampage. This is a live two-hour show that they're going to be running weekly. And we've seen the ticket sales going. So I'll ask you this. We've seen the ticket sales trending down for AEW. What, what do you make of this right now? Is this like a, a, a product of the economy? Just the fact that, that Americans are not spending as much money on leisure as they once were? Is it AEW has cooled down? What, what do you think? I think there's a lot of different factors to it. I think that's a really good question, which there's a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot of ways to attack it. Um, you know, the, the economy in the state it's in, generally, the cost of living and the cost of all that and the, the leisure prices, that's fair. That's definitely one element. Um, AW not being as hot as they were a couple of years ago, just generally, I think it's a very fair point to bring up. I remember in 2021, AW, yes, you know, they weren't as hot as they were early 2020 when the pandemic hit, but still mid-2021, interest is still pretty good in AW generally. We're watching week to week generally CM Punk made the big rampage to boo. It was like a massive, Oh my God thing as you talked about, but now here we're two years later. So we're now, what's this? So 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023 is so a year five of AEW. We know what AEW is. We know exactly what, which audience they're going for. We know what sort of product to expect from them. We sort of know, know what the deal is now. We're five years in, it's not long the honeymoon. So I think that's a part of it as well. AW has its audience pretty much, and they're, they're sticking to that audience. That's really how my view as someone who's more kind of on the fringe with keeping tabs on AW. That's how I put it. Um, so to answer the tic- ticket sales question, number of factors, but just generally, I don't think interest is where it used to be with AW. And the contrary of that, people will say, look at the all-in ticket sales, which I've personally addressed in previous late heats. That's a UK novelty event. That's something which even if I, you know, as a, just a casual, let's say you're a casual wrestling fan, I'd go to that show. It's a big stadium show. Hell yeah. You know, it's announced six months in advance. This is the biggest thing AEW is going to do in their history so far. Why not? You go along to that. But this, Kevin, these US ticket sales, this United Center crowd, Sunday night's a big thing as well. I think it's a good, that's worth bringing up. Like Sunday nights aren't a great night to do these shows on. They're just not, you know, Friday night at 10 o'clock wasn't either. And now Sunday night, like this is the issue AW is having with these like secondary shows. Because Dynamite's got its slot, as we know. 
to these shows, Kevin. And I'll throw the question to you. Just with your life, you don't have to get too specific with you know details, but for you, you know, talk to us. How does a Saturday night time slot work for you? Like realistically, are you like ever gonna be available to watch that live anyway? Like uh, it, it airs at what, like eight PM my time. Yeah, that, that's the thing too about living on the East Coast of the United States. Like if I was in California, yeah, I could watch it. It's, a, it's on at five PM in the middle of my day on Saturday. Yeah, sure, I could watch it and then still go out yeah. here. But eight PM, like I'm gonna be like three shots in you know <laughs> like, like like i'm not gonna be watching cm punk beat up whoever samoa joe or don Callis, whoever they put in front of him on this show that's made for the cm punk guys like it just doesn't pique my interest that much and very very few things could like saturday night the nba finals are on okay i'm watching the nba finals yeah let's do it even this year with Jokic and the hate yes really yeah 100 percent yeah um so, uh, I'll say this about the CM Punk thing. He is a big star. Yes, we know that. But I just, I don't think the same mustard is there to see a CM Punk return. Like, we've seen it already. We've seen a full year of CM Punk in AEW. So there's, I don't think there's a thirst. I think Tony Khan might have, um, what's the word? How do I phrase this? He might have overshot a little bit. With this whole collision thing and with the CM Punk return, I, I think it should have been built a little bit better. Like maybe you get the you get the children in a room, you know, you get the elite and CM Punk and Ace Steel is that his name? Yeah, and you get all these yep. guys in a room. FTR, and film it and put it on television. Jericho, not even that. You just say, hey, Punk's gonna be here on Dynamite for a month. He's gonna be here. He's gonna we're gonna promote his return to Collision, and then once Collision starts, you don't have to see the guy again. You know, maybe the kids could shake hands and, and hug and make up and CM Punk can walk in the same locker room for one month with the Elite. I don't know, mind-blowing. And they could actually, like, have him appear on Dynamite and promote the show, maybe, run an angle, and then get people to want to watch Collision instead of just relying on, hey, Phillip's back. Phillip's back from a torn bicep. You're asking a lot. This is the thing. You know the personalities involved. This is 40, whatever he is, 40, like mid-40s Phil Brooks, who if he gets pissed off a little bit, he will go on his Instagram story and write a four-paragraph rant about someone. And then this is there's the same Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. I mean, Kenny, Kenny's okay, but some of the stuff with the, the Young Bucks, they take all their satire out on BTE, whatever. But nonetheless, Kevin, this is the Watch This Space. Tony Khan's officially announced it. That's sort of the big news for the week, which we're you know, going on about here. What are your thoughts? Leave a comment. Let us know. Um, and that being said, Kevin, unless there's anything else you want to say on that, um, do you want to move on to a new title belt? Yes, sir. Let's talk about it. Paul Levesque, the savior of pro wrestling. He had your favorite wrestler, Roman Reigns, in a segment on SmackDown. And Paul Levesque's out there giving us a whole a monologue, just, ooh, the Universal Championship, ooh, what Roman Reigns is doing, he's the... Michael Jordan of this generation. Ooh. So we get this, uh, just, this was a, I'm going to say this politically correct. This was an A plus level of praise for another grown man from Triple H here. Literally referring to him as the Muhammad Ali and the Michael Jordan of this generation. Someone that you and me are going to tell our grandkids about. We're going to, and I, I was believing the, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. Honestly, I was like, I could really see myself in 50 years putting on a, a peacock show putting on like elimination chamber 2023 and be like hey grandkid this is roman reigns bro 
this is greatness. Like, I, I drank the Kool-Aid for a minute. I was like, whoa, man, he's really hitting home right now. Like, this dude, this is impressive, honestly. We've already spent enough time on our knees talking about the Roman 1000 title reign, so I'm not going to get on my knees again. Mm -hmm. But this is a, a title reign unlike anything we've ever seen before, which we're going to talk about on an episode of Elite Tape coming next week. So yeah. let's talk about the championship itself. I think the I think the belt looks awful. I'm gonna say that. I I, I just I I don't want to hold back. I think the belt looks awful. Um, like it's better than the the blueberry cream pie that we have that we had, but this new belt, like, what is up with the, the giant W? Do, do we have to have the giant W? There's no there's no other possible way to design a title now in 2023. Every title has to have a giant W on it. Kevin, this is the thing. WWE have access nowadays. They're this massive company. There are thousands of incredible graphic designers, art designers, even someone like Superkick Studios, who isn't like a professional graphic designer, but he still makes damn good stuff. Hit up Superkick Studios. Be like, hey, yo, we've seen your stuff. Design us a title real quick. We'll pay you X amount of money. Super kick and really I'm sure most of our audience could design a, a, a cooler design because really Kevin this is just what we've seen for years this is the same belt we've seen for the last decade ever since the rock unveiled this title on February 2013 before his match against Cena at WrestleMania 29 and we've had this big W there's been some variations I hated all the ones from like the 2016 brand split like that's time period with the universal title that was red and then you had the, like the white backstrap and the women's version and all that I couldn't stand. This, at least my first reaction was, oh, you know, because it's like it's gold. It's like very you know, bright for like the, the backing. But even still, yeah, the design is just, you know, same old, same old. It's just, it's not a showpiece custom title. I would have liked they made like a custom Roman 1000 title or something. They made the smoking skull belt back in the day. They got the Brahma Bull title. Just have do something, have a bit of fun with it. No, instead of just a big fat W, it's just gold, I guess. So, yeah, I do like the the hint of black that's in the in, on the W and along the outline, the border of the title. I like that. I think it makes it look a little bit, a lot better. Not a little bit, a lot better than the blue belt mm -hmm. and even the other WWE title that Roman was holding. The meaningless prop, you know. Uh, I, I find it fascinating too that they decided to name this the Undisputed Universal Championship. So this is just uh, going to be the universal title going forward. Um, I guess that's what the shareholders want, pal. Uh, that's what Fox wants. And that's what the, the sponsors want, bro. They want the universal title. I, I was hoping that we were going to get this title abolished. So I want to say this. We gave this title a C a C minus C when we were talking mm -hmm. about the, the, the title reign overall. The, 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 lineage, the lineage of the championship. Yep. I, I do I do want to say this. I think Roman has established this belt very, very well. And it's a double-edged sword because one, the belt now has a lot of prestige. Two, the person that holds it next is going to be held at an unbelievably high standard to live up to what Roman did. So do, do you think that this belt can mean something in the future or did Roman just pigeonhole it now for everybody else that's going to hold it? Oh, it really depends who dethrones him. That's that's the thing, and who who that next guy is to hold it. Because I mean, we're not going to go into this rabbit hole again. We've done it enough. But like someone like Cody with his star power at the moment, how hot he is, that sort of thing with his momentum. 
if he wins it and has a, a good run, then it, it works. You know, it, it transitions away from Roman nicely. And then whoever beats Cody, maybe Gunther, that sort of thing, the belt can sort of roll on with momentum. If Sokoa just like beats him and then feuds with God knows Kevin Owens and it's just like, oh, now, now what? You know, or like Jay Uso just beats him and dethrones him. It's like, oh, Jay is the champion. Okay. And like, if it's something like that, I don't know. It, it's all it's all in the, the superstar. Because, you know, there's this but always in the thing of wrestling, does the superstar make the title or does the title make the superstar? And where does that balance equal out? With Roman, he's made this title. Just we're not gonna deep dive into this title belt, Kevin, but we can both infamously remember it's the middle of 2020. We're doing videos on our YouTube channels. Braun Strowman's running around with this title on his shoulder, getting slimed on by the Miz and John Morrison. And this belt was at on, on its knees, Kevin. This belt was as low as it can get in wrestling. Roman ascended this thing to the top, and now it's a big gold, black like backing strap belt. Which, Kevin, I will say with this, when they initially revealed it and they had they showed like a quick like two second camera shot of this title, I thought it was like way too like golden because they showed like the front plate and there was like the lighting the way it was done. I'm like, hell was that? Like that's just that's way too much. But then when Roman held it up like this. I was like, okay, that's that's fine. You know, I was more neutral on it when Roman held it up. When he held it up, I'm like, this looks... I can see someone ending a pay-per-view like this and it's not cringe. The belt isn't like a strawberry shortcake. So, yeah. No, exactly. You're absolutely right, pal. Are you ready to get to the featured program? I sure am, pal. I sure am. I'm looking forward to this episode and this general late hate topic. Um, this was one I pitched because generally just inside of the listeners. We both go back and forth with ideas. It's a cl- collaborative effort here. Some shows, Kevin pitches the idea and we go from there. This one, I'd brainstorm this one. So it goes back and forth. But nonetheless, Kevin, this show, I'll, I'll kick it off for us, okay? I've got a question for you, pal. Uh-oh. This is something which I'm just going to hit it with you off the top. What are your top three favorite Money in the Bank general memories? Now, memories can be your favorite moments. It can be a return. It can be a, like a title win. It can be a match. Just what are your, your three favorite off the top of your head? What comes to you, pal? Uh, number one, immediately, whatever I think Money in the Bank, for whatever reason, I think of uh, Sin Cara just damn near killing himself and being paralyzed, going through the ladder after Sheamus just carelessly threw him over the top rope or whatever it was. He fell, I don't remember exactly. He fell off the top of a ladder, but I just remember Sin Cara going through, breaking the ladder. That always jumps to the top of my head. Uh, and then the punk stuff, Money in the Bank 2011, of course, a, a defining, legacy-defining uh, pay-per-view, a legacy-defining match for this show, uh, one that always sticks out from my childhood, just the whole pipe bomb stuff and the, the, the punk contract negotiations, all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes that played out on camera, one of the best storylines in history of WWE, one of the best of my lifetime, one of the best of your childhood. And for a third, I don't know. This is this is interesting. So I'm gonna throw. I'll go back. I'll go back. Just for just for the. I'm, I'm talking money in the bank, not the pay per view. I'm talking yeah. just pure money in the bank now. Yep. One that always sticks out for me too is WrestleMania 25. That moment when Jeff Hardy jumped and planched it on the edge and damn near killed Edge. That was like. Uh, and I think Edge spoke about it in an interview. Edge was like, "Hey, you know." Jeff, uh, I gave you gave me one of my most famous moments at WrestleMania 17, letting me spear you off the ladder, and then you know I I took your brother's girl and had sex with her on TV. So the least I could do for you is allow you to get your moment back on me. And yeah, there we go. 
So I just love the story behind it. I love that that Edge did that. Let Jeff, uh, you know, kind of repay Jeff for how gracious Jeff was. And yeah. But what about you, pal? I love that. Also, shout out. You mentioned the uh, Edge Matt Hardy leader. Shout out your video that you made on this. Just dropped. Like, yeah. The last day or so. Yes, really sir. good stuff. Thank um, you. So if you haven't seen that, Wrestling Uncovered. Go check it out. We'll chuck the link in the description of the YouTube. And just generally, if you're listening on one of our audio platforms, go check out Wrestling Uncovered's YouTube for that. Hey, um, look at that. I'm dropping more than you, pal. No, I just have to address it. So <laughs> nonetheless, pal, this question, top three money in the bank sort of memories for me. I just am thinking about this because I've really grown up with this pay-per-view. This has been something where the Money Make pay-per-view came in in 2010. I started watching in 2011. So I've pretty much seen right the way through with this. Um, for me, the number one, you you had it in yours, sort of objective, the CM Punk 2011 title win, everything that encompassed it. Um, we'll discuss more on that in a little bit, but just generally, just iconic, probably the best or one of the absolute best moments in the PG era and that sort of time span um, in the early 2010s, just legendary. You know, one of the great shows there. Uh, then as far as my sort of outside the box answers, I've got two that are different view, which is good. It makes this more entertaining listening for our great listeners. Uh, for starters, this one, Kevin, bit of a left field one. I think this is really underrated. I just watched this before we recorded the 2020 climb the corporate ladder match in the double Bury HQ. I really enjoyed it. If you go back and watch this, especially now, a few years later, there's a lot of like inside jokes and like humor in there. That's actually good. Like WWE, the timing of this, the way they edited it, the way they put it together is actually funny. You know, you've got the stuff with Paul Heyman. Heyman, he literally, he picks up some fruit, fruit and vegetables when he's at this big buffet by himself, throws it back in the bowl and grabs some like snack junk food. And then all of a sudden they do a food fight and whatnot. The stuff they're doing, you know, with AJ Styles walking down the corridor, where's Ray, where's Ray? And then he, he turns to the right and there's this That's massive great. picture of The Undertaker who just, just beaten him in the Boneyard match like a month earlier. And AJ Styles has like a, a panic attack and like has a meltdown. And then Alistair Black just like kicks him into a room with a coffin. Like this stuff's funny. You know, this is good stuff. And then Vince McMahon made an appearance. You had AJ Styles and Brian punching each other in Vince McMahon's office. And then Vince McMahon he yelled at them. He said, get out. And then they like left. And then he used some hand sanitizer because they're in the, the COVID pandemic. And Vince McMahon, he, he wouldn't shut down his company or do COVID testing at certain points, allegedly, but he would use hand sanitizer. Can I interject here for a moment? For Just it. for a moment. Vincent Kennedy McMahon was not afraid of severe lawsuits that, that could take him down. Vincent Kennedy McMahon walked into a room with the Pennsylvania police and the mafia to cover up the <laughs> Jimmy Snooker's murder of his side chick of his gumar as they say in italy but vincent kennedy mcmahon was afraid of the vid and puts hand sanitizer on pal so there you have it no just just some great stuff and all around if you're listening to this back or just listening to the show generally i'd really recommend this match like i watched this back an hour and a bit ago i had fun watching this you know you've got baron corbin throwing Rey mysterio then alice black off the roof like it's just it's goofy it's funny it's entertaining the way they do the ending where, you know, Styles and Corbin, are, they're fighting for the briefcase. And then Elias comes up from behind, slaps Corbin with a, a guitar. Corbin, like, flops. And then AJ Styles, like, he's like, whoop, whoop. And he drops the briefcase into Otis's hands. And Otis is, like, shimmying. Like, yeah, Otis winning was bad, obviously. But it was a fun match. It was an enjoyable 30 minutes. They had, like, the stuff of the women in there as well. They had their match going simultaneously. One quick spot I want to shout out. This is hilarious, I found. 
ask her. She sprints through the kitchen area. Some goon is like is like sweeping. He's like mopping on the ground. Oscar's screaming in Japanese at this guy, and the guy's like like he like you know, craps himself. And then she grabs the broom and like whacks Carmel with it. Like Kevin, this is great. So that's number two. Climb the corporate ladder, twenty twenty. And lastly, John Cena's return in twenty twenty one. Um, you were watching at the time. I was watching. Obviously, most of our listeners were. This was awesome. Like this was such a big pop. You know, Reigns had just beaten Edge, big time main event match. Cena's music hits, and probably one of Michael Cole's best calls. Cole and McAfee did an awesome job. The crowd erupted, and um, this was just a great money in the bank moment. Cena's return. So that's my three: Punk 2011, Climb the Corporate Ladder, and Cena's return. Kevin, thoughts on my three, just generally? I like it. Uh, I really liked Cena's return too. That was a finalist for one of my favorite moments. That's one of those things where you know I never forget where I was when I saw that one too. It was just like wow. You know, it really put in perspective how John Cena was kind of done. Like, we're watching John Cena on his way out, you know. <clears throat> I know he wrestled at WrestleMania this year, but those are the only two matches that Cena has had in the span of two years. Was that Money- that SummerSlam 2021 match that was, of course, catapulted by his Money in the Bank return. And then now he's had that match with Austin Theory, and he might be done. We may never see him again in a wrestling ring. And it's uh, kind of unfortunate. Well, it's really like, it's more than that. It's like four years now, really, since the start of like 2019, sort of. Yeah. Because, you know, he didn't wrestle at 35. At 36, he was in that segment with Bray Wyatt. And really going forward, it's what you mentioned there. 2021, this return, and then 2023 with Theory. So few and far between, we're saying Cena, who WWE's told us for years is the ghost, the greatest ever. And many people do think he's the greatest. So... Yeah, this moment was something else. And really, to me, that as far as like modern day money in the banks, last like five, 10 years, that's the moment I feel like the most memorable. So, yeah, there you go. Pat. Yeah, I mean, that's what money in the bank is all about, honestly. Is, is, uh, or, I'm sorry, that's what wrestling is all about. Those big moments. Like when Cena came back, it was like, whoa, oh my God, everybody's freaking out. Everybody's sharing that on social media. Everybody's talking about that, not just wrestling fans, everyone. Everybody's, that's like bar talk, you know? Hey, did you see John Cena came back? Yeah, man, that was awesome. Like, just one of those things. Go ahead, pal. Do you remember when, for like two straight weeks, everyone's profile picture on Twitter was Cena? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cena got his flowers like no other at that point. That was really cool. It was like everyone unanimously just appreciated Cena because, you know, during his prime, the the, the audience who loved him, but there was a lot of people who didn't. Um, And then it sort of got to a stage where when Cena came back for this return, it was like a unanimous, like, like, just let's just appreciate this guy which is it's rare in wrestling you know wrestlers like Rey Mysterio are like unanimously appreciated all the time but they're they're few and far between generally wrestlers always have some group who hates them or you know get booed or turned on or all this stuff it's wrestling Kevin as we know but yeah this appreciation for Cena from that moment was just sick absolutely so aside from uh Money in the Bank 2011 because I, I know that's what you're going to say is your your best pay-per-view. And I think everybody watching this would say that's the best Money in the Bank pay-per-view. I wouldn't even hear an argument. Otherwise, what are you going to argue besides that? You know, 2018, when Braun Strowman won the Money in the Bank, you're going to argue that is better than 2011 with Punk and Cena? Like, come on. So what, what's your, what do you think is the best Money in the Bank pay-per-view aside from the legendary uh, 2011, which was named, I believe, the second best pay-per-view of the 2000s, of the two, of uh, the 21st century by WWE. I'm pretty sure that was number two next to WrestleMania 17. So, yeah, what, what do you think, pal? 
Oh, Kevin, clearly 2018 was Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Clearly. For India, pal. I mean, they did that for YouTube clips in India. No, I'm being a little <laughs> bit serious here. Um, the thing with Money in the Banks, and I did some looking back at like the pay-per-views and like the cards, to, you know, make sure I jog my memory and have all these like in check. Money in the Banks usually, the good ones at least, so most of them in the last decade, you'll have like one really good Money in the Bank ladder match or a ladder match of some kind that's like 25 minutes long with some pretty big stars in there. And usually there's like a pretty good to great singles match on the show. Um, and when I look at shows that fit that format, I have two. Um, 2016, Kevin, that one is yes, most man. notorious for the, the the Shield or winning the title in one night. That Rollins versus, I think it was Reigns match. Yes. Um, really good, really good. And then Ambrose cashed in. That was great. And then Styles versus Cena on that show, really good. And yep. um, as you expect from the two involved. So there's that. The other one I'll throw at you and then I'll get your thoughts on what you think the answer to this question is. Is 2021. Um, this show, I remember... We obviously the Cena return was the big sort of headlining act of it. The Reigns versus Edge was like the match that had really been building all year since really January. You were thinking, okay, Reigns Edge one on one. When are they going to do it? They do it at Money in the Bank. It had a big fight feel sort of thing. Match was really good. It wasn't an all time classic, but it was really good, really enjoyable. And then across the rest of the show, just a pretty good show. Um, you know, the Money in the Bank match, Big E won it. It was a good, fun Money in the Bank match. It was just a consistent show across the board. Charlotte and Rhea Ripley had a good match. I mean, Nikki Ash won Money in the Bank for the women, eh. but you know, so yeah, they're, they're the options for me. Um, what do you think, pal? Talk to us. It's 2016 for me. That, that's the only one I could think of when I was reading this question. I was like, I was looking through all the Money in the Bank pay-per-views and I was like, we got Sheamus at Del Rio, ugh. 2012. Ugh. You know, then you got like Ziggler and Orton winning the briefcases. Orton, of course, won that. The 2013 was a star-studded one, if I remember correctly. Let me see. Let me yeah, Money Mac All Stars, pal. And uh, yeah, was that, that was in Christian Philly or Pittsburgh, I think. One of the two. It was one of the two. That that was Christian. Yeah, RVD Punk. returned, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's Christian Punk, Daniel Bryan, RVD, and Sheamus, and Randy Orton, of course. And then you had the other um, Money in the Bank uh, match. I'll just say this real quick. But listen to this all-star list. Damien Sandow. Wait, so, sorry, this was, right, so this was the, not, not the Money in the All-Stars match. This was the, like, the everyone else who was fighting for, the, like, the World Heavyweight title that was, like, the mid-card title. Yes. Match. Yeah, this was 2013, before this belt was abolished. This was when it was an absolute prime of its uh, mid-card. Do you want to guess the competitors in yes, the World Heavyweight Championship Money in the Bank? This was a great activity. I know Sandow won it. Yes. So we had Damien Sandow. This was before he was the Miz's stunt double. Yes. Um, He won this. I'm going to assume because it was 2013, Jack Swagger. Yeah. I'm going to say 2013, Fandango. Yep. I'm going to say, was Jericho in this? No. Okay. Del Rio? Nope. Okay. Ziggler? Nope. I don't know. Who was in this, pal? Uh, the guy that Sandow was feuding with, Cody Runnels. The, the guy who's not a top baby face at a company. This is what he was doing nine years ago. So, yeah, uh, then there was a, a Fandango, like you said, Jack Swagger, like you said, and then Cesaro, Antonio Cesaro at the time, Dean Ambrose, and boom, Wade Barrett. <laughs> That's great. No, yeah. and Damien Sandow won, and then the storyline for the next month was the briefcase of thrown in the river by Cody, and then Damien Sandow Stone came out Stone Cold like a... Cody Rhodes. That's right, pal. 
I bet Austin was probably like Austin probably watched that segment from his ranch and probably threw up. <laughs> oh man! All right, back to so let me get back on track. So Money in the Bank 2016. Yeah. I'll read the card for you briefly, just some highlights of the card. Yeah. So we had Baron Corbin versus Dolph Ziggler. They had like a 12 minute and 25 second match. Uh, probably not one that I'd recommend you want to watch, but it's just interesting to talk about. This was when Barry Corbin came up from NXT and they were like, all right, pal, you're going to go as Ziggler. This is a guy that hasn't been on TV in like a year and a half. We're going to use him to make you credible. And it was like, okay, whatever. All right. You um, said highlights, Kevin. Where are the highlights? This It's a highlight for how bad it is. <laughs> another one. Here's another one that's going to blow your mind. This is 2016. Apollo Crews versus Sheamus in a one-on-one match. No championship, no stipulation. Can I tell you why they, why they were mad at each other? No, I cannot. Can you? You can't tell us either. But... Again, it's just so funny looking back at this. But now the real highlights. You had AJ Styles versus Cena. 24-minute match. Not the best match the two had. By far, not the, two, not the best. But it was great. Either, either way. AJ Styles gets a win with some fuckery. Then we had the Money in the Bank ladder match. That's Ambrose, Del Rio, Cesaro, Jericho, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. Pretty stacked Money in the Bank ladder match, if you ask me. I think Ambrose was the realistic winner. A lot of people were kind of holding out hope for Jericho. Or Cesaro, but Ambrose won, and we know what happened after that. Then we had Rollins versus Roman Reigns. I got a bone to pick with this with this match and the storyline for a moment. So we know Roman Reigns has been suspended for using drugs illegally to make his body more enhanced, to make his endurance more enhanced. He's cheating. You know, Roman Reigns, it's already been announced that he's cheating. He's going to be suspended. He's an awful, awful human being for this, you know. And we already know this. So... People hate Roman Reigns already. They hate him already. This is 2016. Peak, not peak, but almost a peak of hate of Roman hatred. Literally, like, we're on the heels of, of a literal riot erupting at the 2015 Royal Rumble because of this guy. And he's just been forced for a baby face from that moment, forced down our throats for a year and a half. And now they announce ahead of time before this match that he is cheating and is being suspended. So people hate him even more. And then, Seth Rollins is making his big triumphant return from injuring his knee, suplexing the mayor on a house show. They run a documentary, I remember this vividly, they run a documentary showcasing Seth Rollins' journey, his recovery from injury back to this moment in Money in the Bank 2016. They make him look like the biggest baby face you could ever possibly imagine. Right? We're with me here. Roman Reigns, hated for a year and a half, forced down our throats, announced as a cheater. Seth we don't Rollins. like him. He sucks. Everybody likes Seth Rollins already. They like him we even love more. Him. He's right. Yes, they like, him. they like him even more because he did this documentary. What do they do? They have Rollins come out, make a surprise return, and not a surprise return. No, I'm sorry. He, yes, he makes a surprise return, babyface return. He cuts a heel promo afterwards. And it's like, bro, what is going on? Like, what is going on? You had a moment right there to make Rollins the big babyface champion that you wanted him to be. You got the formula was there. Just have Roman lean in to be in the heel. Just have Roman come out. Yeah, I cheated. Samoa. That's what The Rock does. I'm just following his footsteps. The Rock showed me how to take HGH. Whatever, you know. But no. We get Seth Rollins as a, uh, a heel. A forced heel. And then he wins. And then Ambrose cashes in. And yeah. So Yeah, look, Kevin. That was around the time when WWE, probably the worst they ever were with like the face heel dynamics, like that example is a prime one. Like if I showed my friend, someone in real life that, and and just sat them down next to me and said, here's Raw, tell me who the good guy is, who the bad guy is, 
you know, who do you root for when you watch this? They see Rollins being portrayed as some bad guy, but the whole audience is showering him with cheers like he's Steve Austin who's just saved, you know, in his prime, has just saved a, a dying old woman from a burning building. Like, there's that. <laughs> I love Meanwhile, that. Roman Reigns is being booed like he's just set the building alight in this example. You know, he's being booed, booed, but he's the, the good guy, big dog, who's pumping that HGH. Like, it's it's ridiculous. And, you know, like, Stupid. in this situation, like, my friend, and just generally in this time period, would go, who do I cheer for? This is literally what a friend of mine said in this time period. I was trying to show them this stuff, and they were like, who do I, who, who do I root for here? The audience is booing, but I'm supposed to like them? Or what's going on, Jimmy? I was like, I, I couldn't tell you here. Like, this is a mess. Um, And that's part of the reason the hijacking and all that made wrestling so messy in WWE and whatever. But Kevin, the main point here, Rollins and Reigns, dynamics are all stuffed, but it was a great main event here and set up something big, which I'll throw back to you for. Yeah, Dean Ambrose catches in after Rollins wins the belt. Everybody's so excited, you know? They're so excited. Oh my God, Rollins is champion. Yes, yes, that's the guy we wanted. Then Ambrose comes out, they're like, oh my God, Dean Ambrose, he's crazy. And he comes out, he cashes in on Rollins. And that's it, you know, we get Dean Ambrose as the secondary champion. We find out he's going to SmackDown. He's going to be the face of SmackDown. Steve Austin is literally disgusted at the fact that Dean Ambrose is the face of SmackDown. Called him out for his lack of work ethic, his lack of ambition on an episode of a podcast. You know, so if Austin likes, if Austin hated it, the people backstage couldn't have been thrilled about Ambrose getting this opportunity. And the fans, I mean, I wasn't. I was like, really? Ambrose? Like, this guy has been coming out with mustard and ketchup, squirting ketchup and mustard at, like, yeah. Bray Wyatt. Like, that's what he's been doing since the Shield broke up. And this guy is supposed to carry SmackDown. Like, it was just ass backwards. Like, why not have Rollins be the babyface champion to go to SmackDown? But either way, AJ Styles saved us. From it, and yeah. it just an absolute, uh, whatever. I'm ready to move to the next question, pal. Are you ready? Yeah, no, that, that's fine. We've covered that one enough. Um, let's move on, Kevin. I just want to have a quick one just about Money in the Bank itself. Now, WWE, particularly when the PG era came along, brought about a bunch of these like new gimmicky shows, gimmicky events. Now, like the Money in the Bank had been a thing for a few years. They made it a pay-per-view. Hell in a Cell had been a thing for about a decade. They made it a pay-per-view. Elimination Chamber had been a thing for seven odd years they made the pay-per-view same thing they brought in like bragging rights and fatal four ways a show and they brought in a bunch of things but kevin to me look i'll ask you this question is money in the bank double bury's greatest like gimmick creation or you know match of that sort of elk you know we've mentioned hell in a cell elimination chamber those ones to me it is um i'll elaborate more but first i'll throw to you is the best of the for me hell in a cell is the best personally okay. I love Hell in a Cell. I know it's suffered a little bit since there's no blood in the PG era, but that's what I grew up on. You know, and I grew up on the Money in the Bank too. But really, I have earlier memories of Hell in a Cell, and it just and I loved it more. Just for me, it was like the 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 culmination when I was watching as a kid in the ruthless aggression era. It was the culmination of a big personal storyline. Rock and Undertaker. They have this massive personal storyline. You put him in Hell in a Cell. Triple H and Mick Foley. Put him in Hell in a Cell. So on and so forth. Triple H Jericho. You know, just all these Batista and um and Triple H, at Vengeance 05, Undertaker Edge, 08, SummerSlam 08, just tons. I can name you tons of well associated memories with the Hell in a Cell match for me. That's just my personal favorite. You know, there's no wrong answer. You could even say Royal Rumble. You could throw Royal Rumble in here as a gimmick match. That's a lot of people's favorite gimmick match. TLC yeah. 
is great too. You know, for me, if I had to give it like a top five or a top three, I'll do top three. For me, it's Hell in a Cell, TLC, and then I, I would say I, I like a street fight. Like a street fight, no holes barred, whatever, lights out match, whatever you want to call it. That's my top three. For me, with Money in the Bank, I think Money in the Bank has it has more bad matches and more bad moments and bad stuff associated with it that it has good. The Money in the Bank match itself, I mean, mm. like I, I think as a yearly concept, it's kind of played out and it's been played out for a decade, I would say. It, it, this could transition us into our next question. Yeah. What what was the last who was the last great money in the bank winner? Before you answer that, I'll just throw my my mine in the hat real quick. Seth Rollins 2015. I think that's that's it. Like you could say maybe Brock Lesnar 2019. You know, you could say uh Big E in 2021. But for me, it's uh it's Seth Rollins 2015. <clears throat> I'll respond to that by saying that like the answer to that question, you know, whether like where the gimmick is and how it ranks, Money in the Bank, just like near enough all these gimmicks in like the latter half of the 2010s, it took a, hit, a legacy hit. You know, Hell in a Cell took a big hit in the latter half of the 2010s. Money in the Bank took a hold hit. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you. We, we, we're going to pretend like WrestleMania 32 didn't happen. The moment where Shane McMahon tried to kill himself for, for the entertainment of these fans. One of the greatest moments of all time in a Hell of a Cell match, pal. Mark so, Calloway sorry, did it for He killed Shane McMahon for this business. Hold on, so a Shane McMahon suicide attempt makes yes. 10 years of bad Hell in a Cell is good? It wasn't 10 years of bad Hell in a Cell. What? What? 2010, 2010 through until 2019. The only good one was the one of WrestleMania 28. Oh, come on. Come on. Get, come which on. ones am I missing here? Besides uh, maybe, what, 2015, Undertaker and Brock? Correct. WrestleMania and then 30, WrestleMania 28. WrestleMania, so that's two. WrestleMania 32, the big moment with Shane McMahon dying for this business. That was a one-spot match. It went for 33 minutes. And on, on top of that, Hell in a Cell. I'm going to come back to the 2010 moment. On top of uh -huh. that, Hell in a Cell is associated with arguably the most infamous and synonymous moment in wrestling history, you can show anybody walking down the street, hey, here's a clip of mankind getting thrown off the cell by Undertaker. Everybody's going to know what that is. You know, that that's like a, a grandiose, god-tier, S-tier yeah. moment in wrestling history associated with that chamber, the Hell in a Cell concept. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, for 2010s, some matches, I'll just throw off a couple of the top of my head. Um, I like the tag team Hell in a Cell between the Usos and Kofi and uh, the New Day and all those guys. Uh, I mm -hmm. liked uh, Roman Reigns versus Rusev. I thought that match was fun. I liked okay. Roman versus Bray Wyatt too. I I thought the matches were pretty good. Okay. Um, okay. You know, but I I just think overall, mm. top to bottom, Hell in the Cell is number one for me. Yep. No, I'd say like all time. I think Royal Rumble is the greatest of all time. It's like it's like a goat concept. I think Hell in the Cell would be then below it. Um, has played out and has forced as it got at some stage where they just throw like three Hell in a Cell matches on 2016 show for no reason. Um, and then probably I'd say Money in the Bank. Personally, I think the concept's great. It has been played out. I do agree. We can both agree on that. Um, when it comes to the last great winner, as I was alluding to the latter half of the 2010s, there really wasn't one because Seth Rollins did his thing. He was the last great one, objectively. And I was looking at the Wikipedia for this, trying to jog my memory. Was there any other great Money in the Bank winners? No, there was not. 
um, Theory, no. Big E, no. Brock, no. Strowman, no. All these guys, Otis, Miz. You're like, no, no. Stop <laughs> Baron Corbin. I think I mentioned him already. Like, these guys. Who won like, it Ambrose last year? Holden. Last Theory, year. right? Yeah. Ugh. 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 Yeah. Yeah, there's you know, way more. There's way more, like, forced bad moments with Money in the Bank than there is Hell in a Cell throughout the 20s. Correct. And that's, that's a perfect way of putting it. So, yeah, if in that regard, you know, the concept when it first came in, yep. in, in the mid-2000s, really good, really well executed the first time with Edge. Um, there were some good ones with you know, the late 2000s regarding Punk and the WrestleMania Money in the Banks they did. Um, but really, yeah, I, I don't, I'll phrase it like this, Kevin. I don't think any gimmick match has taken as many hits as Money in the Bank has in the sense of how many duds there's been. Like, there's been a, a lot. Like, you go through the list of who's won Money in the Bank, there's more misses than hits. So, yeah. Because, yeah. um, you know, for, for every Seth Rollins or every Dolph Ziggler 2013 and every, like, Edge, there's about, you know, a laundry list of duds. So, yeah, um, that's, you know. You wanna, can, can, we go, can we go through that real quick? Just talk about some of the great winners. So, you look at the first winner let's look at the first crop when it was still contested at wrestlemania so that's from what did they do in 2010 i don't remember but but it's uh yeah del rio won it in 20 at wrestlemania 26 i want to say so no so basically 21 to 26 they were doing it at wrestlemania um edge won the first one in 21 and the 26 one was won by jack swagger pal oh right yeah how can i forget that yeah del rio won at some point i don't remember when but he won at some point so yeah nevertheless edge rbd mr kennedy CM Punk twice, and then Jack Swagger. Those are the WrestleMania ones. Two of those are good. Two of them. Edge became a Hall of Famer. RVD cashed in, and we got one of the greatest matches in wrestling history. One of the most entertaining, over-the-top, like, ridiculous matches with him and, and Cena. You know, so, great. Hmm. 07, Mr. Kennedy wins it, drops Randy Orton on his neck. Randy Orton threatens to kill him in the back. Wrestling Uncovered video maybe one day. And oh, please do. That would be great. Please do. Yeah, it's great. If you, if you guys haven't seen it, you could clearly see when Mr. Kennedy... Yeah, there's a YouTube video out there. I think it's called When Mr. Kennedy Lost His Push. And Mr. Kennedy literally drops Randy Orton on his neck. And that was it. That was it. It was and From that point, it was like, all right, Edge, here you go. And Edge takes the briefcase from Mr. Kennedy um, and became the ultimate opportunist. You know, Edge just loves taking things from people, pal. And then 0809, CM Punk... Oh wait, CM Punk wins because Jeff Hardy couldn't stay off the needle, pal. So Jeff Hardy ends up getting suspended. He was supposed to win the briefcase at 24. We get a CM Punk that's clearly not ready for the main event scene. Wins the belt. He loses it because Randy Orton lightly kicked him in the head in a backstage segment at Night of Champions. And they vacated the title and gave it to Jericho or whoever. And then 09, CM Punk wins it again. Cashes in on Jeff Hardy in one of the most dastardly moments of my childhood. I hated it. Jeff Hardy finally gets his moment. But again, you know, Jeff Hardy can't stay off the needle, pal. So, here we go. Punk is champion again. I don't really remember what happened with his reign at that point. I think he just handed it to Jericho or somebody at, later on. And yeah, that's what we had. And then you look at the Jack Swagger. Forget it, bro. Jack Swagger killed the World Heavyweight Championship after he won Money yeah. in the Bank and cashed in. So that's just the, the WrestleMania ones. Yeah, two out of three good ones there. And then, and you, want me to take, you want me to take the Baden and do the, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view version? Yes, please. I just want to say this real quick. And then yeah. you look at what we had 13 years now of the Money in the Bank pay-per-views. Yes. And there's probably been like, what, three or four, I'm going to guess? Yeah. Three or four good That's ones? Bang on the money. That's correct. 
correct number. Um, because yeah, Kevin, you, you then move to the 2010s. I mean, many people will say the Miz when he won in 2010 was like a good one just because he had a memorable kind of cash in and little run. But fair, okay. You know, I give it to I give it to him. I give it to him. We'll give it to the Miz as much as you know. The main event of WrestleMania in the commercial for WrestleMania 28. I give it to him. Yeah, you know, in objective fairness, we'll credit there. Kane winning the SmackDown won the world title. I mean, he won the world title that night, had a decent little world title run. Not one of the great all-time memorable money in the banks, but was an absolute flop. So that was the first one. 2011, you get Daniel Bryan winning when he was still like a mid-carder at that stage. Um, so I guess that worked. That elevated him and got him sort of on the upward trajectory, but it wasn't like a legendary one. Um, Del Rio winning the Raw one, that was a a shocker and um, the way they had him cash in and he oh, became gosh. the spotlight of the summer of punk Ugh. just i'm sick mm. I'm, I'm sick just hearing you say that Ugh. yeah yeah and then you had you know ziggler won in 2012 which led to the infamous you know raw after mania cash in which if we're going to talk cash ins that's one of the top probably three most memorable cash ins um which we'll get to that shortly um you know cena's one in 2012 i hated um, this is when I'm in depth. I'm watching wrestling. I'm a big CM Punk guy. I want Punk to win. Cena just wins this literally four, five-man Money in the Bank match. The Miz literally, before the match, because Kevin, the field for this Money in the Bank was Cena, Jericho, Kane, and Big Show. Okay? Four guys. Miz comes out and goes, I'm back from Hollywood, guys. I'm in this match right now. And the crowd's just like, Okay. You know, and then Cena wins and whatever. Then he, he announces his cash in, which is the first time they did that. Cena announces cash in for Raw 1000, which I, I think that uh, was a, RBD had done it. RBD did it before. True. But the way Cena did it was just, was not gross. it. It was gross. Yeah. It was, it was not it. Sorry, forgive me. RBD's was done well. Yeah. And Cena's was not. It just, you know, the, the DQ interference match on Raw and it's just, there goes the money in the bank. That's just blown. He didn't win the title. So that was just, that was a, a, a hit on Money in the Bank. That was just, you know, whatever. 2013, you mentioned Sandow before in that match. What did that lead to? Did it, wasn't he the first to, to cash in and, like, just have interference cost him the match? Uh, I mean, Cena announced his cash in the year before and that happened, but oh, yeah. then Sandow did it and it was like, bro, what are you even doing at this point? Like, Money in the Bank, Kevin, the one thing I'll give it, the first, like, six or seven years, as you talked about in the ones you mentioned, at least the person cashing in would win. So you'd, you'd feel like, okay, whoever wins this, they're going to be a world champion. Like it right. feels more important. You get to this point in the mid 2010s and it became just like, oh, well, even if they win, they probably, they may not even win the title. So what's the point? That's how WWE sold it to the fans. And then, you know, Rollins won his and he had his you know, epic moment at WrestleMania 31, which we'll talk about cash-ins in a moment. And then Sheamus, Kevin, who can forget Sheamus 515? Kevin, part of me, I wanted to make a video about how 2015 is one of the worst years in wrestling, mainly thanks to the last three months from October through until December. That was some of the worst content the 2010 saw with the Sheamus 515 with the the septum piercing and the mohawk. The League of Nations and the New Day was there. And there were like like four, Sheamus was in like three different storylines at once. And it was just, uh, um, ugh. Hideous. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned, we talked about Ambrose and they brought the women's money in the bank in and Carmella won money in the bank twice within five days. Okay. I, remember I remember that so vividly. 
Shane McMahon just like, all right, we're gonna have a, a smack, uh, Money in the Bank on SmackDown for these fans. Daniel Bryan's like, yes, yes. Yeah, then Carmella just wins it again. Like, okay, well, I forgot what what even was the storyline that led to Carmella having to win it twice. Your guess is as good as mine. By this point, Kevin, this is mid-2017. I'm so disenfranchised of wrestling. This is the Damn. Jinder Mahal era. This is after I've turned off because they gave Finn Balor the title within five minutes of him being on the main roster a year prior. I'm disinterested. Um, by this point, I wasn't really super tuned in here. Kevin, then we moved to 2018. Bliss, Bliss and Braun won their matches. So whatever, you know. Another failed cash-in. Because, Kevin, really, I think we can summarize it by saying this. The failed cash-ins ruined money in the bank. Yes. And had the, the continuity of them. If they did like, you know, Sandow fails a cash-in once and then every other year they succeed, it's cool, whatever. But like every other year it became just the cash-in would be failed or whatever. And it ruined the concept. That was a large factor in the concept being ruined, in my opinion. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's the thing. Here's another thing too. Like, let's just say 2023. Let's use this as an example. You got Roman Reigns who's in the middle of a record thousand day title reign. On the other side, you got Seth Rollins who just won a new championship that you're trying to establish. Why do we need a Money in the Bank winner? The Money in the Bank winner, whoever it is, is not going to beat Roman. You know, they're not going to have Roman just title reign end when he's like walking backstage in the arena and gets jumped by Cody Rhodes with a briefcase. And Cody just is like, I'm cashing in, bro, and pins him backstage. Like, they're not going to do some stupid shit like that. And Seth Rollins is going to hold the belt for at least at least like six to eight months minimum so why do we need a money to bank winner for what you got these champions that are going to be established we saw this last year with austin theory he was not ready to be champion you're not gonna have austin theory beat roman reigns for both belts so they had him cash in on a mid-card title like i'm i'm pretty much at the point where i'm like get rid of it it doesn't serve a purpose it's always been kind of even from the very beginning it's always been like a, a square trying to fit a square into a circle with edge you think about edge Cena was the guy. Cena was the franchise. Cena was supposed to hold that belt for three years. But no, Edge won his money in the bank. So we got to have Edge win. So Edge wins the title, loses it three weeks later. And it just was like, why? What was the purpose of that? He wins the title. He fornicates Lita's ex-girlfriend on live TV. And then he gives the, the title back to John Cena, Felix, Anthony, John Felix, Anthony Cena Jr. Three weeks later at the Royal Rumble. After winning in New Year's Revolution in Puerto Rico, in a beautiful island. Like, I don't know. I'm pretty close to say just get rid of the whole thing, honestly. Like, it, it's... Yeah. Yeah, I think the main point with that and what I like that you brought up there, if you have no intention of having the guy who wins money in the bank be a champion and be a legit main eventer who's going to have a good title run, don't even have the match that year, right? And it was the same thing with Hell in a Cell from, you know, the, like this, going back to this, from the Hell in a Cell 2016 pay-per-view where they had three Hell in a Cell matches where none of them needed to be in Hell in a Cell through until 2019 where the match was at its absolute low point with The Fiend and Rollins. That era, it's the same thing now with Money in the Bank, Kevin. They're at a point where Theory won and it was a joke. It was a, a mess. Like that SummerSlam 2022 last man standing with Brock and Roman, awesome match. But the Theory stuff is stupid. He just runs down with the money in the bank briefcase and he's like, ref, ref, ref. And then he just gets beaten up. <laughs> yeah. You know? it, it's a joke. It makes the concept a joke. And we've seen it like, like back in 2013 when Sandow tried to cash in and Cena was just like, no pal, F you. 
and one, two, three, and that's it. You know, you can't beat BC Nation. Like that was really the first one that I remember. Like I know Cena failed to cash in, but that mm-hmm. that Sandow was the first one where it was like, yeah, this guy isn't even good enough to beat the battered down champion in John Cena. Yeah. Like they don't even see him as a champion. And yeah, like I said, just a, a square being forced into a circle at this point is the way I see it. Well, Kevin, and remember that Sandow failed cash in, which really triggered a lot of this. Cena, as we discussed in our last episode, had just had surgery on a bursa infection in his elbow, pal. He had a, a surgically repaired lump. Anyway, with all this being said, Kevin, I think we can move to our next question Please. as we sort of get towards the tail end of this show. With all this being said, with Money in the Bank and the concept itself, it's irrefutable that the Money in the Bank pay-per-view is one of like the big shows of the year with wrestling it's not on the tier of wrestlemania it's not on the tier of royal rumble but it's on tier of SummerSlam. but i'd argue and i think there's a point and there's a premise to be made here it's on the same tier or very close to that of survivor series in the modern day um so i guess i'll ask the question to you kevin would you consider money in the bank like a modern day big four pay-per-view i i think that's a good question they they were going to do an, an arena show for this last year right it was supposed to be in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken, in a, in the uh, the football stadium. Mm. So they're doing a stadium show for it. I mean, that's you know, the, the hints at it being a pretty big deal. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's fair. I think it's fair to say. I, I think I, I would still put Survivor Series as the big four. I don't want to say Money in the Bank has replaced it. But I do think Survivor Series gets a little bit more love. There's a little bit more luster for it. Over the years, like the the SmackDown versus Raw concept, kind of saved it when they started doing that in 2016. Kind of saved Survivor Series because Survivor Series went through some dark times, you know, went through some dark oh, times yeah. like during the middle of my childhood in like the the mid 2000s and the early 2010s. Like I oh, yeah. I remember Survivor Series firmly being as as big a deal as anything when I was a kid, you know. Yeah. Survivor Series where we saw the first Elimination Chamber. You know, then, uh, what was it? Survivor Series, what was the one? What was the one where they did Undertaker and Kane? Was that 03? Where they had, like, Undertaker beating up Vince and Stephanie? That was 03, yeah. Yeah, and then they had Kane, like, tease his return. Yeah, big stuff like that. Um, And then it just kind of tailed way off into the deep end, you know? And then it came back from the SmackDown vs. Raw concept. But one thing for Survivor Series to argue this Survivor Series has uh, The Undertaker's debut. Massive deal. Um, innovative concept of a match. The 5-on-5 five five elimination match. A traditional Survivor Series match. I like that. I like the old tradition of it. Um, and then, you know, you've got some guys like... you got Austin and Brett. Austin and Brett had a classic at Survivor Series. Uh, Montreal Screwjob happened at Survivor Series. The, the biggest and most important match in wrestling history, arguably. Spawned the Attitude Era, spawned the Mr. McMahon character, spawned the Austin McMahon feud, all on the back of that. So it's uh, very important. And The Rock made his debut as well. Survivor Series, so there you have it, pal. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the history of it. But Kevin, the question, and what we're really getting to the core of here, is when you look at a new wrestling calendar, like when we begin January 1st, and you look at the year of pay-per-views ahead, you go, okay, Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, boom, boom. They're two big shows. You go, okay, SummerSlam's the big one of the summer. And then what, what's that other big show? And really, in Survivor my opinion, Series. the last five years, yep. I mean, Survivor Series has been 
fairly good. But in the last five years, I'd put money in the bank on that same tier. 2021, money in the bank was well clear of Survivor Series. 2020, fairly similar. I thought there was a pandemic era time period. 2019, Survivor Series cleared it. 2022, you give the nod to Survivor Series as far as the quality and just general presentation. But really the point I'm trying to make here, nowadays, it's fairly even. Survivor Series isn't what it used to be. Money in the Bank is a fairly big deal with how W presents it at least. Granted, we ripped it apart for a little bit here for how it means nothing nowadays in a lot of regards. <laughs> but being objective here, WWE doing a big show in front of God knows how many people in the UK for Money in the Bank in about three weeks from when we record this or four weeks. So it's still a big deal. It's still a big show for WWE. And yeah, it's just, yeah. God love it, pal. Paul Levesque. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not going to die on a hill arguing arguing this. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. Survivor Series. Yeah. I, I think it's more of a big three at this point. WWE, it's WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble. I don't think it's really a big four. I think those three are clearly on a tier above the rest. But, pal, what about stomping grounds? What about it? Nah, just let's, let's move on. Um, And lastly, I just want to <laughs> ask you one more question. Yep. Just with the concept itself. Now, We've talked about how WWE have really not done their best to ruin it, but done a lot of stuff with a lot of misses in the past 10 years. Kevin, do you feel like with Money in the Bank, I don't know how I want to phrase this, going forward for the next few years now, so we're going to look forward with Money in the Bank, how would you either save it or what were the main things you do to make it be the best thing it could be? Um, Would there be, you know a way you go about booking it, a certain type of wrestler you have win it, a way you go about the cash-ins. I, I don't know. How would you make Money in the Bank even better? I would just get rid of it, honestly. If I had the pen, like if I was in charge of WWE, I would get rid of it. It peaked. Wow. It peaked at WrestleMania 31 when Rollins cashed in in the main event of WrestleMania. It, it, that, that's the absolute apex of this thing. That's what people fantasized about for a decade. That was it. That was the big moment. And then what have we gotten since that time? Dean Ambrose playing hot potato with a prop. You know, oh, he's crazy. He's cashing in. Oh. And then from there, you get, what, 2017? What was the 2017 winner? Remind me. Braun Strowman? Corbin. 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 Yeah, Corbin wins, and then he's in, in like, a, an opening match with John Cena at SummerSlam. Then 2018 is Braun Strowman. More fuckery there. 2019, Brock wins it just because. Pal, but, pal, Bro- but Brock Lesnar ripped the door off the cell, pal. No contest. Yeah, no contest, pal. Brock Lesnar wins it in 2019, targets the black champion, erases Kofi Kingston's title reign on the heels of the money in the bank. Like, for what? Like, Brock Lesnar couldn't just walk up to Vince McMahon in the back and just be like, hey, Vince, I want a title shot. Brock Lesnar had to win money in the bank to get that title shot versus Kofi Kingston? Like, come on. Ridiculous. Seth Rollins. Sorry, just just to make sure. Seth Rollins, yes. My bad. Seth Rollins, yes. He he attacked Kofi. He did the thing where he went to Vince and attacked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Different. He He faced Seth Rollins, and I forgot what happened, but he didn't win whatever yeah okay um 2020 otis the absolute that's the end that was it like forget it at that point it's a joke it became a comedy thing it became an undercard thing mm-hmm. uh, otis winning is the biggest laughing stock in the history of, of the legacy of the money to bank it's it's a joke question follow-up what was worse for money in the bank legacy otis winning or theory failing a cash-in on the u.s champion otis winning by far, because wow. Otis was so bad they couldn't even have him cash in on the U.S. champion. He was that low of a of a character, you know. Yeah, 
So yeah, I I think I just abolish it. That that's my I I, I think I'm there. That's my standpoint. It does, there's no saving it. You, you want to establish champions. You want all your champions to have long title reigns, established belts. Why do we need a money in the bank winner? If Roman's gonna hold the title for another two years, Seth Rollins it's gonna hold this title, the world title, probably for a year. Uh, that'd be my guess, my prediction. If I'm putting money down, I hope not. Why do we need a money in the bank winner? We, we don't need it. But you, who's gonna win this year? Cody Rose. And then Cody's gonna come out crying a month later, like I, I'm catching in on you, Roman, at SummerSlam. Like what? <laughs> Where do we go from here? Then then Roman beats Cody again. Oh yeah, pal. Here, Superman punch spear. One, two, three. What does that do for the briefcase? Cody could get a title shot just by being Cody Rhodes. He doesn't need the money in the bank. Okay, I think the main thing I'll say with this, the best way to fix this, or at least take a step towards fixing it, Kevin, I don't like how you've abandoned hope. You've just, you you sound like me watching the NBA Finals. You've just given up altogether. You're right. just like, enough. I can't be, this can't be saved. Just, just spare me. That's where you're at. Yes. And that's me watching the Nuggets play the Hayden and NBA Finals. Anyway, <laughs> when I look at this money in the bank, I go, they have a bit of a conundrum because Money in the Bank as a pay-per-view, as we've discussed, has become this like fairly big show generally in the pay-per-view calendar. But the, the match concept itself behind the pay-per-view is in the bin. It's in the worst state it's ever been. Absolutely. Um, so how do you fix that? I think the, the match, it's the Money in the Bank ladder match, or at least one of them. I don't think you can do two, but they need to have a Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania. That It needs to go back to a WrestleMania attraction. Um and then the Money Bank pay-per-view, maybe just rename it. I don't know. Get rid of the Money Bank pay-per-view concept and just do another biggest show in like June or July, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. But really, the best way I can go about this, I understand your points. I hear you out, pal. If you're going to have Roman hold a title for like four or five years, what's the point anyway? I, I get that, obviously. Um, but really, the only way is to have literal main eventers win Money in the Bank. Because if you're going to have guys who are like mid-card, upper mid-card win... But as you say, the champions are holding titles for 400 days, 1,300 days, 500 days. What's even the point? You know, because you just know what's going to happen. It's going to be a failed cash-in if that, if they even get the cash-in like we saw with Otis. So, yeah, I think if you're going to have it, move it to WrestleMania, make it a WrestleMania attraction. Let's say it can be like opening on night one, have the money in the bank ladder match kicking off the show. You've got wrestlers flying off ladders you've got like acl injuries off ladders all this sort of stuff nice then then you can have i mean you joke about cody winning it a guy like that's really probably the only option to win it literally no literally it is yeah because you can fit it in the story roman reigns is like you don't deserve to face the tribal chief i'm not gonna let you finish the story and cody's like i'm gonna win money in the bank and finish my damn story then he wins it that's literally the only way you can do it because what's the alternative LA Knight wins money in the bank and then he just fails his cashings. He's a 41 year old man. Is that the alternative? He's like, Is Yeah, it... I want money in the bank. Yeah. What? Montez Ford wins money in the bank just to have a great match against like an injured Seth Rollins and lose. Like, is, is that where we're going with it? You know, like it, that's really it. Don't need and, it. Because everyone's saying, Oh, LA Knight should win. For what? You're going to have LA Knight winning a world title? No. Like, Paul Levesque, if you're listening to this, and, and you and your wife are copyright striking our videos, abolish Money in the Bank, pal. Get rid of it. Yeah. Bring, bring back yeah. a legacy pay-per-view. Bring back Vengeance. Bring back, oh, we got Backlash already. Um, bring back Great American Bash or something. I don't know. Bring back a legacy pay-per-view for the summer. 
So, Kevin, to put this a nice bow on this podcast we've done today, it started out as a you know money in the bank is the WWE's greatest creation, blah blah blah. But really, the main takeaway from this is that for all of the moments we've had from this show, for all the you know the good pay per views, the memories we've had probably the best course for action holistically is to abolish it and move it to either a WrestleMania special attraction or just abolish it generally. Um, Because, you know, it's run its course. You know, it's like a pro athlete. I compare money in the bank. It's like a pro athlete, you know, came out of the blocks fairly strong, had, you know, some really good moments in certain stages in the middle to prime its career, like 10 years in. Exactly. You know, when it got to around 30, it was at its prime, had like, you know, the big moments, hit its like peak. And then ever since it's like been in like an athlete's 30s, let's say, like a sporting athlete. It's in his 30s, it's deteriorating, it's deteriorating. Otis winning is the same as like a severe ACL tear for money in the bank. It's just like this impossible to recover from, knee reconstructions, theory wins, it's like crippling depression, you just retire. So this stage now... Money in the Bank's like a 37-year-old athlete who doesn't know where to go and it's just it's clinging on for dear life Literally. where he used to be. I'll put it this yeah. way. I'll put it this way to you. The most important moment and match associated with the Money in the Bank is not even a Money in the Bank match or a cash-in or a briefcase or a anything to do with the concept. It's Punk and Cena. What, Roman Reigns and Jinder Mahal? What do you mean? It, Punk and Cena is what's most associated with this yeah. with this concept. That's the legacy of Money in the Bank. Will always be Punk Cena 2011. So that tells you everything you need to know right there. Like, yeah, Rollins had a WrestleMania cash-in. You could, you could put that on the same tier, in the same mm. stratosphere as Punk Cena, but Punk Cena is always going to be on top. No matter what stratosphere it's in, that's an S-tier level everything. And, you know, Rollins cashing in will be just right underneath it forever. And, you know, it doesn't matter that he cashed in in the main event of WrestleMania. It doesn't matter that he beat Brock and, and Roman. It doesn't matter at all. Nothing will, I don't think anything this show or this pay-per-view or this concept ever does will beat Punk and Cena. I, I don't see it. But we've seen the biggest and the best of stars. We've seen Randy Orton win and cash in. We've seen Brock Lesnar win and cash in. We've seen Rollins do it. We've seen Ambrose. We've seen uh, RVD, Edge. Have we seen tons of big stars hold this briefcase and cash in with it? We've seen Big E become a superstar on the heels of this, and nothing will ever live up to Punk and Cena. And that that when you have that as a shadow, it's it's kind of hard to uh, to sell it, you know. Well put, well said. So I think on that note, I think we can call it there, Kevin. Um, I think it's been a good discussion about Money in the Bank. So anyway, you're abandoning our new segment, pal. Oh, we've got a segment. Oh, that's right, that's right, Kevin. Yes. Before before we dip, I must throw to you. Is there any tea? Anything's happened for you that you want to mention on the show? You want to bring up here? Now's the perfect time. It's an open forum. Get to engage. Talk to us. Uh, no, no tea for me. My life has been drama free for the last two months. Um, oh, that's good. And I intend on keeping it that way for a long time. So, um... Kevin, would you describe your your life as just? Well, I mean, you say it's been drama free for two months, which is good to hear. That's good to hear. So yeah, it was drama filled. Oh, filled. it was oh, okay. drama filled for a long time, for years, yeah. many years, uh, drama filled. So no, but what are we gonna call this segment? What do you think? We, we need a name. We need a name. Until we get one, we're just gonna keep just fucking life, yeah. pal. But what's up yeah. with you? I, I have something I want to say, but I want. But what's up with you? Anything you want to bring up? 
what's up with me? No, um, I don't know if you guys know. So I basically, I, I work like full time. Um, I, I work a reception job at the moment, so I, I, I interact with the, the masses, pal. I'm, I'm on the front lines, but yeah, you know, I, I work. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's funny. Good, good. No, so addressing sort of where my YouTube's at at the same time as my life, I work basically. I leave for work around what six, seven, about seven in the morning. I get home about five thirty in the afternoon. So most of my day is gone. And my main focus at the moment is quite literally fitness as it was perhaps last year. So I'm in incredible condition, pal, I must say. JTE. Love to see I'm you. like prime Johnny Gargano, pal, but no. There's that. So really, as far as my YouTube uploading, a lot of people have been pestering me about this. I'm, I'm trying. I am. Well, I'm really not. This is the thing. I need to get back to it because, Kevin, as we've talked about off camera and as a couple of my subs have let me know, I'm either all or nothing. I go big or I go home with my YouTube creation, which has been the big story for the last like year and a half. It's either an eight day upload streak, four uploads in six days, banging out content, or it's content's out to dry and there's none of it. So I'm working on that. Um, and I guess, yeah, Kevin, any thoughts, any advice you could give to myself or anyone listening to this with a YouTube channel who's a bit you know, demotivated, you're back in the swing of things, any advice? Well, for me, um, just getting rid of the toxin in my life has allowed me to get back on my, my goals and my own personal uh, growth, you know? So, yeah, I, I was in a tumultuous relationship for, for a while, and that took away all my time last year. That's why I didn't upload. I was so just full-fledged losing myself and chasing someone else. So that was, that's what did it for me got me more motivated just getting rid of that toxin you just natural addition by subtraction in my life so um now i have a clear head you know i'm seeing things clearly i'm able to focus put time into what i like fitness and youtube and reading and all types of things that, that, that keep me busy now things that i wasn't doing prior you know so um what was i gonna say so for me what i do i'm also on a fitness journey i lost like over 20 pounds at this point uh, but eating right, going to the gym. Thank you, thank you, pal. Eating right. Oh, sorry, is having fat phobic? I don't know, but I'm gonna applaud that. There yeah, you there you go. Eating, going to the gym, whatever. I do. I go to the gym five days a week. That's it. Point blank. Five days a week. And for me, it's just like like making content, just a little bit here and there. You know, I'll write a script for my video. Take a couple, take a day or two, write that, make sure it's all good. Then put the video together, or the audio. You know, grab some clips. Take a step, take a step away, go to the gym, come back, fill it, you know, finish it up, just break it down, you know, little by little. That's what I do. You don't have to like put, make the, I don't have to and make the whole video in one shot. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's not, it's, I think it's better when you take your time with it. Um, yeah. You know, you don't want to take too much time though. That can also be a problem, but mm. yeah. yeah, so that, that works for me. Well, Kevin, I want to touch on that as well. And this can open up another rabbit hole, which maybe some, some of you guys are really relate to. But you mentioned the fitness thing there and like how you had like the weight loss goal and whatnot. When you started, did you have like a number of how much you wanted to lose or was it just like just generally, you know, lose a bit, feel a bit healthier, be a bit fitter? Was that the sort of thing? So, so I went to the doctor in February and the doctor was like, hey, you got to lose weight. You got to stop eating and you got to stop drinking. Like it was bad. Like I was drinking a lot and whatnot. Mm. That's a whole other discussion for another day. Yeah. Um, I get on the scale at the doctor. I'm weight 200 pounds, bro. 
Like literally, I was like one ninety nine point eight or something, and wow. I was like, oh no, oh no, something's got to change. Like now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started eating. Just I was like, I told myself I'm gonna lose fifty pounds. I'm gonna be one fifty. Yeah, essentially is what I what I said. So I was like, yeah, concrete goal, you know. So now I'm like one seventy five. So I lost yeah twenty five pounds. Um, still going, still kicking. It's hard, you know. It's easy to it's easy to put on weight. It's hard to put to get it out to get it off though. Yeah, no, nah, that's yeah. Because like I'm thinking with just on that because as far as like the number on the scale almost. Because one thing I found, which you know, it's not affected well, affected in a little way, but how I view fitness and just generally anything. Many of you know, or I've mentioned this passingly. I did a marathon recently, which is quite extreme <laughs> for a lot of people. Um, that's forty two point two kilometers or twenty six. 22 miles that's and um, that's a lot um that took me four hours and 20 minutes it was one of the most insane experiences I've, I've ever done but really beyond that it's more so about thinking okay whether it's like running times whether it's how much you're lifting at the gym or you know like your aesthetic all that sort of thing it's like a, not a dysmorphia thing of just is it enough can i do more there's always thinking like can i do more can i do extra is this enough when what I'm doing is quite a lot from that regard. And to, to what you're saying there, now, like you have just the general goal of 50 and you know, you're working your way down, you sound pretty happy with that, which is the main thing. Like with me, for instance, if I'm running, let's say, you know, 21 minutes for five kilometers, that's you know, 3.11 miles. Like I do that and it's like, oh, well, you know, I could be doing five seconds off that, then it'll be better. It's like that sort of thing. Where it's you know it it becomes a bit of like a a, a negative, but you just dwell on it. I don't know. So maybe someone can connect to that. It's just like a thing where no matter what you're doing, you feel you can always do more. Absolutely, right. I always feel that way. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I want to I want to uh, talk to you about something too. I want to teach you something about the culture. Oh, pal. Man. oh here we go. Something about go. the culture, pal. Are, are you familiar? With, have you heard the the phrase Latino time before? Are you with that? I've heard it once or twice. Talk to me. D- define it, pal. What, what does that mean? What does it mean to you when I say that? I want to hear your definition first. So, I'll all right. So here's here's how here's how yep. the Latinos operate. Myself being mm-hmm. Latino. If I say I'm gonna be at if I say hey the party starts at eight, that's because I want everybody to show up at ten thirty. You know, so whatever time you actually want to do something, like. All right, we gotta go. We gotta go to this uh, this thing at school for the niece or whatever. All right, everybody gotta be at the house at five o'clock. That way, everybody shows up on time at six thirty, seven. You know, we can go to this school thing. Uh, I don't know why it's like this. I don't know. I don't know what everybody I know that is Latino is like this. It's just like just the way it is, I guess. I don't know, but you know, you meet someone. Like I, I try to be punctual at work. I'm on time. You know. But anything else, like, uh, like, like, and this happens a lot when you and I are recording. I'll tell you, mm-hmm. hey, I'll be ready in five minutes. Like, most likely that means like 20 minutes, you know? Yeah. And I know that's yeah. a disconnect. That's why I'm bringing this up because there's a disconnect there between yeah. you, you and me because I just assume that you understand the culture. Because um, you're very punctual. You're like, all right, I tell yeah. you five minutes, you're going to call me in five minutes, you know? That's, yeah. So, so I, I try to work on that, but it's just, just who I am, I guess. I just, I say, hey, man, I'll be ready in five minutes. Here we go you know meaning that means like 20 
30, you know? Yeah, no. And, and for all the listeners, this is like a behind the scenes, a late hate thing. If like, let's say we, like, let's say we're going to record the show. We're going to do the podcast at nine. You know, we, we, we agree that I'll be like there at nine, nine Oh two. Where you at Kevin? Ayo, Ayo, what's up? And then you'll, you know, let me know like eight, you know, so like nine Oh eight. Yeah. You know, g- give me 20. I'll be like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like for you, that's you know, because like on Latino time, you, you were thinking probably ten thirty, yes, but you know, twenty is cutting it short. So yes. you know, it's, it's, it's a fun dynamics. Obviously, you know, I'm I'm just a, a man from down under. You're obviously Latino time, hitting up clubs, bars, gyms, all that. So <laughs> yeah, it's funny. That's just I don't know why it's like this. I really don't know that the or the uh, the origin of this, uh, but yeah, it's just like. Like for Thanksgiving one year, um, oh, this was so bad. This was like the worst Thanksgiving ever. I was at my, I was supposed to go to my ex's house, and she's like, because I was, you know, I'm more, I'm more Americanized as Puerto Puerto Rican people are more Americanized. Like, yeah, I share some of the Latino stuff, but Puerto Ricans are naturally like we're American, we're born and we're citizens, you know, of the United States. My ex was from, you know, South America, whatever. So she's like, hey, Thanksgiving, this is when we first got together. She's like, Thanksgiving, my house, be there at 8. I show up at 8, like 8.30, 9 o'clock, whatever. They're cleaning the house. I'm like, yo, we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner. Like, it's 9 o'clock. Like, they're cleaning the house. They're in pajamas. Everybody in the house is in pajamas. I'm literally sitting there binge-watching Netflix, just, like, dressed up, you know, ready for Thanksgiving dinner. It's like 11.30, midnight. like it's like it's like midnight i think her mom her mom just shows up with like chips and dip and and like pizzas and empanadas whatever you know cultured food that they make and i was just like oh okay yeah it's dinner time all right let's get it that's just great kevin would you think it's fair to say vince mcmahon has been on latino time for the last like 10 years putting double viewer shows together like it's the run sheets due for monday night raw at 7 30 p.m you can bet your bottom dollar during the show half of it's being written correct yeah vince mcmahon is definitely a man of culture he's proven this before with the the, the matching do-rags you know dapping up john cena you know doing the the pimp walk to the ring vince is a man of culture pal vince is invited to the cookout i've had several uh several black friends tell me that vince is invited to the cookout so yeah so kevin before we go unless there's anything you want to touch on here I want to discuss just next week's show real quick for just give you listeners a preview. We've got a late take making a return next week. Yes. Um, we have a number of topics to go over. Um, one of which I made a community post regarding Triple H's reign of terror and Roman Reigns and sort of comparing and there's a bit going on there. Yeah. Um, there's a lot we can talk about here. We will not discuss any of that for now. That's the next week's show. There's a bunch of other questions, Kevin. Anything you want to, I guess, flag for next week to, you know, put on the agenda? Man, we got a lot of stuff covered. I don't want to give too much out. I think we gave yeah, enough we out. Yeah, we won't. This is a tease yeah. for you. Yeah, we gave enough out. We're gonna we're gonna argue about Roman Reigns and uh, Triple H. That that'll be a that'll be a great argument. I mean, who knows? This might get so bad that I might do a Shannon Sharp pal. You know, you know, yeah. No, I might I might do a Skip Bayless actually. I might disrespect your legacy as a YouTuber and cause you to walk off the show, pal. <laughs> Put your glasses back on. You're, no, how like, many Super Bowl rings do you have, Shannon? 
I'm gonna look at you like, where's your, where's your plaques? Where's your YouTube plaques, pal? Oh my god. <laughs> Can you imagine? Then I'll, I'll wait till after WrestleMania stays next year and walk out. <laughs> I'll join like, I don't know, God knows who and just another podcast and we'll just do like fake beat. Nah, no. Do <laughs> no comment. Go no out on Bagel, pal. So yeah, pal. Yeah, pal, that should be good. Loaded show next week for a late take. I don't know if that debate we're going to do with, I mean, Reigns and Triple H and like one or two other topics, whether that gets to the level of our Reigns and Cody one we did about a month ago, that got like hated yeah. and like, loud. That was great. Um, I've watched that back recently. That's actually damn good content. If, you, if you're if you listening to this still, shout out because we're like nearly an hour and a half in. But that whole show we did on Reigns and Cody, like our late take debate on that is one of my favorite Elite Heat bits of content. That was a 30-minute explosive argument. That was an undisputed segment. That's popping off views. So Love to see it, pal. Yeah. We're out there. We're winning, pal. So I guess that's it. Anything else you want to add? Pal, this is the end. This is the savage, vicious end of the Elite Hate podcast. Money in the Bank, a dying, dying franchise, pal. Hey, if you made it this far uh, on the podcast platforms, give us a follow on whatever service you're using. Leave us a review, be kind, and yeah, we'll talk to you guys on the next one.